Well, welcome to Downtown Harbor Church, everybody. I'm Adam, the, I'm the lead communicator here. The old boy's back and he brought the cabana wear, everybody. So just get ready. Uh, first of all, before we kind of dive in, I want to say a couple of thank yous. So first of all, I am so excited um, that Christina Cooper has taken over music here at Downtown Harbor Church. Her and Christian have been up here since Easter Sunday. What an awesome job they've done. Let's just give them a hand. Um, and also, for the last two weeks, the executive director who just did the announcements, John Garippa, has been up here communicating. We're having a little bit of a new strategy, just giving me a couple of weeks off throughout the year. John has killed it the last two weeks, and so who knew the old boy could speak like that? Huh? Give him a big round of applause. I love it. If you missed those messages and want to catch up, you can do so on our website, SoFlowChurch.com. Well, today I'm so excited, and just so you know, everybody in this room, buckle up because it's going to be a powerful day. First service was an extremely powerful time together as we kind of dove into the last week of Less of Me. It's been this idea we've been talking about for four weeks now that Jesus called us to do. How do we experience less of ourselves in life and experience more of other people? How can we actually die to ourselves and put others in front of ourself? Because one of the things that we've said throughout our kind of study of people and humanity and how we think and how we're made up, that there's kind of this common thought process, that people think a common thing about themselves, and we can even see this in children and in teenagers, and it even comes out even more in adults. Here's the common thought process, right? That life is about me. You've seen this if you've been around kids for any length of time or teenagers, because guess what? If you've been around kids, maybe you have your own, maybe you don't, maybe you have nieces and nephews, maybe you're an educator and work with kids, right? Here's one of the things that you've probably seen. Kids think life is about them. That's why they don't want to share, okay? Because life is just simply about them. It's kind of interwoven in who we are as human beings. It's there from the beginning and it continues into adulthood. But Jesus said, experience less of yourself. And so for the last three weeks, we've talked about volunteering. How do we actually volunteer inside of an organization, maybe a church, maybe this church? How do we plug in there? And then John talked about how to put others first, those people who are in your life, right, who are just next to you, maybe brothers and sisters, friends, right, people who you don't know. How do you put them first? And then last week, John talked about possessions and what that looked like. How do we die to ourselves related to what we have? Well, today... It's going to be a powerful day, as I mentioned, because today we're talking about how to experience less of ourselves in relationships. Now, before I dive into this, let me just kind of give you just a little disclaimer here about the kind of relationships we're going to talk about today. Because the truth is, the fact of the matter is, is that many of us in life have relationships with many different kinds of people. So let me talk to you about the relationships that we're not going to talk about today. So we are not today talking about friendships. We are not. We're not talking about our buddies, our friends, those who we would call our closest friends or even acquaintances. We're not talking about friendships. We're not even talking about family relationships. We're not even talking about mom or dad or brother or sister or those who would, you know, have too much to drink at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Aunt Mary, she listens. My Aunt Mary listens online. That's her, Aunt Mary. I'm talking about you. Okay, I'm not really talking about you, Aunt Mary. But the kind of relationships that we're going to talk about today are these kind of relationships. And before I put this on the screen, I just want you to know that this message is for every single person in this room. This message is for me. 
Whether you are single in this room, whether you are dating in this room, whether you are married in this room, whether you are divorced in this room and trying to put back together the pieces of your life, I don't know where you're at in terms of this, but the relationships that we are going to talk about today are in love relationships. Those relationships that cause us to have emotional feelings toward another human being. The idea that we would talk about being in love with someone. So again, maybe some of you are newly married. In fact, I did two weddings this past weekend. And I was spoke at a conference in Atlanta. So if my voice gets a little raspy uh, during this message like it did first service, I apologize. But hang with me. And these relationships that we're going to talk about are kind of across the board because maybe you're single and you want to be in one. Maybe your marriage fell apart and you're trying to put back together the pieces of your life. Maybe this is your second marriage. I don't know where you're at with this, but the truth is, the fact of the matter is, is this message is going to hit every single person in the room right where they're at. Because no matter where we go, no matter what we do, we could actually end up in one of these at any point in time. So zone in because we're going to dive into what the scripture has to say about this. But I know one thing. Actually, I know two things related to this topic. Number one, I know that related to relationships and falling in love, that the guy in the flamingo shirt at the museum does not have it all figured out. Trust me. I've been through the ups and the downs of marriage and life. And Caitlin and I, she was in the room first service. She's probably going to come back in at the end of this service just so she hears what I say about her, right? We talked about this. And she just said one of those things to me. She goes, you know, I'm proud of you for giving this message because we're about to be married for 10 years this October. We actually have made it, which is kind of an accomplishment. And she said to me, as you're going to go ahead and talk about this message, she goes, can you just do something for me? I said, sure. She goes, as you give this message this time, tell some stories about you. I said, okay. I can do that. Not about you anymore. She goes, no, no more Caitlin stories. I said, okay, got it. So I know that, that I don't have all the answers, but I also know this, these in love relationships, those take less of you. And I've struggled with this, right? This has been one of those struggles in my life that I just don't have all figured out. And if you're in a dating relationship or a marriage relationship, or you've been married and divorced, you know this, right? How do you consistently put someone else above yourself? Here's what it is, right? This idea, this relationship, these in love relationships are a constant putting the other person first, are a constant putting the other person first. It's, it's, it's like this idea. Hey, I want to put you first tonight. Where do you want to go out to dinner? Oh no, I want to put you first. You, I, you, you put me first last time. Where do you want to go out to dinner? Oh no, darling. I would love to put you above my needs. Where do you want to go to dinner? No, put no, no, please. I did it last time. Above all things, you put yourself and you, you pick. Could you pick please? Okay. You know, you've been there. All right, sorry, I just get a little excited about this, okay? But it's a constant putting the other person above yourself. And how do you do that? How do you consistently do that? And how do you pick up the pieces when you mess up and don't do that? Because the truth is, is that all of us will mess up and not put the other person first at some point. Well, the scripture talks about this. And specifically, it talks about marriage. Should you decide to get into that very committed relationship? It talks about this in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And I love what it says because it creates such a crystal clear picture about how a marriage should be. Here's, here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Stop there. So if you're new to DHC and you don't know about what Christ did for the local church, for his followers, he gave his life for 
them. He walked this physical earth and died so that we, his followers, the local church, should live. That's the comparison that the writer makes in the book of Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. You should lay down your life for them. How many of us have gotten that right? Goes on to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church, making, vi- making your vibrant, making your relationship vibrant without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. I love this. He who loves his wife loves himself, cares for his own inner being. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. So it's a lot. And you've probably heard that at a wedding before if you've attended one. Here's what I can want to just kind of bottom line this as. I think it's important for us to understand this. If you decide to get married and you're going to enter into that relationship, here's what you need to do. And this is one of those like silver lining goals that every one of us should strive for no matter how many times we have to fail and get back up. You should love your spouse like Jesus loved the church. You should love your spouse like Jesus loved the church. And do you know what he did? He put the church first and he put himself last. That's exactly what he did. He said, it's not about me. I'm going to experience less of myself so that you can live. It's not about me. I'm going to experience less of me so that you can thrive, so that you can flourish. And I will really have life when I do that. And the truth is, if we were being honest with each other, A lot of us daily probably don't get up and do that or think that. We try to recover from confusion and how how we interact with our spouse and what that looks like and the complications that are a marriage relationship. Well, one of the things that we wanted to do at DHC as we dove into this today was explore two ideas related to relationships that we think center in kind of the opposite of what Ephesians tells us to do. Because a lot of times in relationships, as I've sat across the table from couples and done premarital counseling or done marriage counseling and someone's marriage is falling apart, here's a couple of things that I have heard consistently related to relationships. I've heard a lot of relationship misconceptions And I've heard a lot of relationship excuses. I've heard both of those. And so we're going to land on relationship misconceptions first, okay? Because I have listened to these for years. And one of the things that I've done is kind of made a running list of a lot of things that people tell me that they think are going to happen when they get into a relationship. Or furthermore, there's a dating couple and they go, we're about to get married. And there's some misconceptions that people think are going to happen in marriage. And so I'm just going to list a couple of them for you today. I think they're important. Here's the first one, okay? I'm going to change them. You ever thought that before? You ever thought to yourself, man, you know what? I'm going to get into marriage and this person is not who I'm really comfortable with in a dating scene, but I'm going to change them. You ever thought that? Here's the deal. This is what I just want you to know, right? I'll never forget this because Caitlin has thought this for a long time. Not that I'm going to change him, but he's going to be his own person because I wore this shirt today for a specific reason because I'll never forget when this shirt came in the mail. I ordered it from a company called Bonobos and Caitlin goes, you got a package at the front desk. So I went and got the package. I go, stand by. I got to try on my new shirt for you. So I went in the bedroom, tried it on. I said, don't come in. I want to walk out and show you a little fashion show. So I go out there and I go, 
what do you think of this shirt? And she goes, I think I've heard a message from a guy before who told me to love him and not change him, so enjoy yourself. I said, thanks. But here's the truth. Here's the fact of the matter, right? We try to get into relationships and have a misconception that we're going to change individuals. Jesus, as he walked this earth, said this. He said, you exist to love your neighbor as yourself, and your spouse could be considered your closest neighbor. Jesus never walked this earth and uttered the phrase, you need to change your neighbor as yourself. He said, love them. It's not our job to change them. Now, on a side note, there are times in someone's life and in a relationship where things get ugly or something creeps in, that things should change. And people need to be brought in for help. That's not what I'm talking about here. These are just the quirks. These are the things that you loved about someone when you met them. That people get into marriage and they go, man, I'm just here. They're going to eventually change for me. It's not your job. Allow them to be. Remember who you fell in love with. Don't let the things that drew you to the person actually distract you from your relationship once you get married. Remember those things. I got to tell you, because I told Caitlin I was only going to tell stories about me today, and I'm going to tell her one about her at the end, but it's okay. I got a microphone on, right? That she doesn't. And here's the deal. She has, she's a saint. She has embraced one of the most quirky energetic guys who wakes up at 4 a.m. and tries to get her to wake up with me. And I, I can't tell you how many times she's backhanded me. He said, go away, I'm sleeping, right? She, you know, she, she's embraced this and it's been so good for our relationship. It's, I'm not here to change him and who he is. There's another misconception about relationships, right? They'll do what I say eventually. Just let me know how that goes for you, okay? Come, come back in a couple of years. If you think that, get into a marriage and eventually come back and let me know how it goes because I just think that that's so important for people to know that it's not about doing what you say, right? It's about two people who are putting each other first and experiencing less of themselves. They'll do what I say eventually. Okay, let me know. Here's a third one, which I think is so important and people say this to me all the time and I just want to go... You know, I just want to wring their neck because this is so off. This is so not a part of marriage. And people have a misconception about this. We're never going to disagree. We're never. Yes, you are. Okay. And let me tell you why. Because you are two different human beings. You are two different people who are created different and you're walking through life together. You will disagree. You will disagree on the big stuff. You will disagree on the small stuff. You can take it to the bank. How many people in the room are homeowners? Just give me, let me say, if you're a homeowner, oh, fantastic, okay? A lot of people own a house. Caitlin and I just moved into our first house that we bought. It was basically a concrete slab, and we had to design it from the ground up. Do you think we agreed on everything? Absolutely not. And we knew that going in that we weren't going to agree on everything, but that's okay because a lot of people think that they're only going to agree, especially when they get married, and they will not Take that to the bank. But you know what this kind of thinking does? This kind of thinking does something. When you think like this, it puts you first. And Jesus said that it's not about you, that you should consistently lay down your life for the other person. And this type of thinking puts you first. So the question is this related to these relationship misconceptions, what would it look like if you lived for someone else and not yourself? Rooted in love, what would that look like? At every wedding I've ever done, I've read these verses consistently. 
You've probably heard them before, but have you ever really thought about them? That's the question. Have you ever really landed on them and marinated on them and thought about what they mean? Because they fall within the book of 1 Corinthians and they talk about love. And if we listen to this and we did this as we put someone else's needs above our own, everything would be different. Look at this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. Just stop there. Love is patient and kind. Think about those words, patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and I love this, and it keeps no record of being wrong. What if I just did that? What if you just did that? Wouldn't everything be different? Wouldn't you wake up each day and look at this person in a different way if we just kept no record of being wronged? Because the person will wrong you. It's human nature. It will happen. What if we kept no record of it? And that's love. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. You've heard those verses before because most of us have been to a wedding before. But we probably haven't taken a minute and marinated on these words. Look at this last line. And endures through every circumstance. Think about that. I'm gonna save that for the end, but think about that for a second. Relationship excuse, I'm sorry, relationship misconceptions and then relationship excuses. So one is going into a relationship Excuses on the other end are what happens when a relationship begins to fall apart. And the truth is, the fact of the matter is, is that most of us, if we were being honest with ourselves, have thought or even worse said one of these things to the other person. Relationship excuses. So don't miss this. It's so key. They're not bringing enough to the table. You ever thought about that? They haven't supported me in what I want to do. They don't make enough money. They don't bring enough to my life to warrant them being in my life anymore. How awful is this phrase? And the truth is, some of us have thought it before. Some of us have said it before. They're not bringing enough to the table. But you know what that is about? That is about you. And Jesus said that you should put the other person first. Here's another one. Excuses. I'm losing a part of myself. I'm no longer me. I'm changed because this person is in my life. Well, you know what? Jesus said it's okay if you lose a little bit of yourself because you should be living for the other person based on his example. That's okay. I'm losing a part of myself. No, you're not. If you put someone else first, you're actually gaining life, not losing it. That's what he said. There's another one. It's an excuse. I've heard this. And generally, it's not true. They wouldn't do the same for me. They wouldn't do the same for me. They would never give up that for me. They would never do that for me. And the fact of the matter is, is that when relationships begin to go downhill, our minds start to land there. And more than likely, it's just this excuse. They probably would. And even if they wouldn't, it's okay because you're putting them first. I told you you were going to disagree. But you know what? An excuse, man, Adam. I know that you said that we're going to disagree, but you know, we, we, we just disagree on too many issues. There's too, there's too much. There's too much that we disagree on. I'm going to toss in the towel. I can't do this anymore. There are never too many issues that can't be solved in a relationship. 
if you're committed to each other in love. You know what happens when we use these excuses in our relationship? Here's the deal. It becomes about you. And the truth is, and let me stop for a second because this is not to beat anybody up in the room who's had a marriage fall apart. There are many, many marriages, even in this room right now, that have fallen apart. Many people we know, we love them, we want to help them. My parents divorced after 26 years of being married. I've been through this myself. I get it. But the reason that we talk about it, the reason Jesus talked about it, is not to beat anybody up because if you've been through a divorce, you know how painful that can be. You know how drugged through the mud you can feel and how much your family is affected. You know that. That's why we're talking about this. Not to beat anybody up, but to provide people hope. But as we look at these phrases that we put on the screen, it all centers around someone. It all centers around you, me. And the truth is, this is not about you. This is not about you per the instructions of Jesus. So, Here's the question. At the end of this, regardless of where you're at, this is a question we just asked. Okay, if this is true, what should you do? What do we do in this situation? How do we put one foot in front of the other and make this right? What do we do? So I want to talk about two things and give you guys a whole bunch of practicals right now. And I want to talk about these two relationships that you could be in more than likely. Number one, dating versus marriage, okay? So we're going to talk about the differences between the two. Number one, let's talk about dating. Because dating is that first step to kind of being married, right? Unless you go over your skis in Vegas, which would be very ugly, and I would never recommend that to happen to anybody, okay? Dating is something that you do pre-marriage, okay? And this is what you do as you date. You want to find someone as you begin to put someone else first who is a what? Compliment to you. You want to find someone who is a compliment to you, someone who is good for you, someone who balances you out, someone you like being around, someone you go, you know what? You're a joy-filled person who I want to be around and I want to put you first. And then as you find someone who compliments you, because here's the deal, gang, even if you're single in this room or a teenager in this room and about to go off to college or whatever that looks like for you, maybe you're going to leave your home for the first time, this is going to come for you. This is key information. Because as you find someone who's a compliment to you, then you have to do something. You have to learn to love. And a lot of people think, and a lot of people have another misconception about love because they think love is an emotion. Love is a choice that we get to make daily. Love is a choice. And then if you're dating and you find yourself in a situation that might not be ideal, that might not be a situation that you want to be in, here's what I need you to know. For the love of everything holy, no matter how ugly it will be, no matter how bad it is, if it needs to end, end it. Okay? Don't get married. This is something that could tank your life. If you've been through it, you know what I'm talking about. If it needs to end, end it. Just a couple of practical things about dating. Number two, marriage, okay? Let's talk about marriage. What, are, what should you do if we're talking about marriage? Maybe you're in a great place today. Maybe you are in a place where you're like, man, you know what? My spouse and I, we are hitting on all cylinders. Every, I doubt it, but everything's rocking and rolling, okay? okay we're, we're, what kind of place are you in today? What should you do? The first one is this, and, and buckle up because it's gonna get powerful in here for a minute. Whether you're single, divorced, married, separated, I don't care what it is, just get ready. Fight for your marriage in any way that you can fight for it. 
And this is the hardest battle that a lot of us will ever fight as you begin to figure out how to fight for your marriage. As you begin to figure out day after day how to put one foot in front of the other and fight for it. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's friends who can intervene. Maybe it's therapy. Maybe it's just studying together. I don't know what that looks like for you. But fight for it. It's so, so key. And then figure out how to do this. Figure out in some way how to put the other person first. Figure out how to go, everything that I talked about before, no, it's you, no, please, you pick today. No, you, that, that's a good thing, gang. That's a good thing to do. How can you put the other person's needs above your own? Even if today is a reset button for you, even if today is a reset button for me to go, how do I do this? Figure out how to put the other person first. You wanna know something that I hear a lot? As it relates to marriage, well, Adam, I love all this. I love all that you've said today. It, it, I get it. This applies to me. But you know what? The coup de gras has happened in my life. The final straw has happened, and I've fallen out of love. I'm going to grip the stool because I think this next thing is so important, okay? You know when he grips the stool, he's about to get real, okay? How real can you get in a flamingo shirt? But here we go, all right? Here's the question. I've fallen out of love. Have you really? Or have you just chosen not to love the person anymore? Have you really fallen out of love? Or have you just said, mm -mm, I'm choosing not to love anymore? Love is a choice, not an emotion. And you can choose to love whoever you want. So, what's the practical? Every week at Downtown Harbor Church, we put this word on the screen, and it is a very, very powerful couple of things that are coming up next. And so if you're married, take notes. If you're single, take notes. If you're dating, take notes. It's all key for everybody, right? Don't miss this. Even if you don't want to take notes because you're embarrassed, listen online. I don't care. Listen to this because it's so key. Number one, practical. Schedule a date night. Take a, and this is a churchy thing that's kind of come out of churches, right? And it's kind of one of these Christian things that's a little weird, right? And it's not. Schedule a time to get together. Schedule a time to go out or go out during the day and be with each other. And when you do, and I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to every single person in this room, because this is something that I struggle with and you struggle with, and we know that every single one of us, and we can start it right here at Downtown Harbor Church, needs to do this next thing so that you can focus on each other and engage with each other and reconnect with each other. When you decide to date, put the phone away. Put it away. And I got to take my own advice to do that because that is one of my biggest, biggest struggles. And I got to do that for Caitlin. And you all are going to hold me accountable to do it. Next time you see me, you're going to go, you're going on a date? Did you put it away? Yes. Okay. Hope the answer is yes. I'm gonna take my own advice. Put your phone away. Another thing that you should do, here's a practical, discover their love language. See, the truth is, is that a lot of us get into relationships and then we try to love the other person how? The way that we want to be loved. There's a guy who wrote an amazing book called Dr. Gary Chapman, right? And he wrote this book called The Five Love Languages. In fact, Caitlin and I have committed to kind of rereading this book together. We read it about 10 years ago. And so if you want to do that journey with us and you want to kind of hang out, maybe have coffee with us along the road, maybe you don't, that's fine. But if you do, just write five love languages on that card and put it in there. We're just going to get together casually on your way out. We're, gonna, we're committed to doing that. We talked about it this week. 
See, the truth is, is that these love languages, what we have to do is discover our spouse's love language and then pour into them. Caitlin's love language, right? Well, there's five of them. There's quality time, there's acts of service, there's receiving gifts, there's words of affirmation, and then there's physical touch. Caitlin's, when we found out what Caitlin's love language was, it's quality time. Of course it is, right? Because you're always going to be the worst at your spouse's love language. Like, do I look like I sit still, okay? Like, okay, quality time, great. Mine is words of affirmation. And I just am built up by words. And Caitlin, to her own admission, that's just not one of her strengths. Of course, that's why we're together. I'll never forget the time, Caitlin's story time, right? I'll never forget the time. I, got, I wrote a book a couple of years ago on volunteering, and it went out to all these nonprofits and churches. It's been a cool journey. But Caitlin, I really wanted her to read the book. I poured my life into this resource. This was such an amazing thing. And she read it. I left for the day. I was busy. She read it. I came back, and I go, it was on the, de- the table, and I go, what'd you think? And she goes, it was good. I said, did you like it? She goes, yeah, a lot. It was good. I go, oh, I want it. Like, she goes, what did you want me to say? It was fabulous. I said, yeah. Not her. That's where we have to go in this journey of learning to love each other. But it's all rooted in love. Figure that out. It says this in Song of Songs, chapter 8. It says, many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. Can't. If it's strong enough, if you choose to do it. Here's another thing that I've done way too many times and you've probably done as well and you should never ever do and should never ever do it again. Let this moment be your moment. Do not go to bed angry. Don't go to bed mad. This is not something I came up with. This is in the Bible. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 it says this, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Don't do it. Don't wake up and go, you know what, why did I do that? And then lastly, this is something that I want you to know because it will change your life. So you need to stay even when it's hard. So like many marriages, we've not had an easy journey all the time. And you won't either if you get married, mark my words. But some time ago, I'll never forget something that Caitlin said to me. I told you I was gonna tell a Caitlin story. She said something to me that I'll never, ever forget, and it stays in my heart almost daily. And she said, I just want you to know something. She goes, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how low you go, even if you leave, I just want you to know that I will be here and I will never give up on you. And until I wrote this message, do you want to know that I never thought about this? But she just wasn't saying that because... She felt good or because she wanted to keep me. Do you know why she said that? She said that because she was trying to emulate Jesus in her life. That's why she said it. Because that's what he called us to do. So stay, even when it's hard. Here's just what I want you to know. Because some guy said this to me downstairs after first service. I love this. He's one of my buddies. He goes, you know, I really love your message, man. It was maybe one of the most powerful messages you've ever given. You know why? Because I discovered I'm not ready for a relationship, not ready to be married. I was like, awesome, great. Because if you aren't ready to put someone else first, you aren't ready for a relationship. (laughs) And that's the truth. And that's okay. Maybe you're in a season of life where that's not you. And I love that because that's just God working. But just know this, that if you are ready, that's something you want, be ready to lay yourself down. And you'll screw up, mark my words, but then get get back on your feet 
and get ready to put the other person above yourself as Jesus has called us to do. Let me pray for us.